Gentlemen, bienvenue and welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week we'll be discussing Ain't Supposed to Die a Natural Death. doing i hope this episode of the musical man finds you well i have a few points to address in this opening segment of ours first off i listened to a 2001 recording of liz calloway singing defying gravity this morning and it nearly made me cry i was not previously aware of this existing and i have learned my lesson i went to school and i learned my lesson if you have not heard this, do yourself a favor and check it out. I love Liz Calloway. Who doesn't love Liz Calloway? I just wanted to share that slice of my morning for you. Okay, so Benny is back. We are happy to report that Benny is back with us, and he let us know all about the situation with the bat. Now, to be fair, Patty and I were following it point for point, moment to moment. We were obsessed. We were absolutely obsessed. Uh, there were tears. There was laughter, and I have been assured that at the end of the day, the bat is safe. The bat was uh, captured and released into the wild without being harmed. We are so happy to hear that, and we are so happy to hear that uh, there is just no longer a bat in Benny and his fiance's home. <laughs> <laughs> to say the very least. I would think that would be very stressful. I think the bat was stressed. I think Benny and his fiance were understandably stressed, but now everything is fine. Uh, we are here to say good luck to you, little bat. May you fly without fear for years to come. Years to come. We're thinking of you, little bat. You're the unofficial mascot of the podcast. How about that? <laughs> I want to say rest in peace to Jessica Walter of Arrested Development fame. Uh, Jessica Walter passed away recently. She is known for Arrested Arrested Development primarily, but she also had a host of Broadway credits, including Photo Finish, Rumors, Anything Goes, and more. So again, rest in peace, Miss Walter. Thank you very much for your amazing contributions to the community. Thank you for sharing your talents with us. And I want to say, as we close out this opening segment, that we stand, we here at The Musical Man, we stand in solidarity with the Asian and Pacific Islander community as well as the trans community today, tomorrow, forever, and always. If that was not clear before, we want to make sure that is 
very clear now. We stand with you and we support you and we thank you for continuing to educate the world and to help us understand your struggles so that we may do better ourselves. And by we, I mean white people. We need to be doing more. We need to be doing better. And I will be hitting that particular note again here as we move into the show facts regarding this week's subject, Ain't Supposed to Die a Natural Death. Show me the show facts. All right. Ain't Supposed to Die a Natural Death was a 1972 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical. It opened on October 20th, 1971 at the Ethel Barrymore Theater before moving to the Ambassador Theater in November 1971. The show ran for a total of three 325 performances. The book, music, and lyrics of Natural Death were written by Melvin Van Peebles. The musical utilizes material from three of Peebles' seven studio albums, those three albums being Brer Soul, Ain't Supposed to Die a Natural Death, and As Serious as a Heart Attack. His style of performance was inspired by Sprechgesang, a German vocal technique that seeks to bridge the gap between singing and speaking. Peebles' spin on the technique is a notable precursor to spoken word, rap, and the choreo poem. P.S. The best title from Peebles' discography would have to be, What the? You mean I can't sing? which was released in 1974. I love that. I love that album title. Along with his status as a recording artist and a Broadway composer, Peebles was also a playwright and investigative journalist in France, a novelist and options trader on the American Stock Exchange, a visual artist, and the director, writer, editor, composer, and star of several feature films. His second movie, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, made over $15 million on a budget of $100 $50,000, and is often credited as having created the blaxploitation genre. Circling back to the theater, Peebles developed three additional Broadway musicals in the wake of Natural Death. Don't Play Us Cheap, for which he wrote the book, music, and lyrics while serving as director and producer, Reggae, for which he wrote the book, and Waltz of the Stork, for which he wrote the book, music, and lyrics while serving as the producer, director, and star. He wore a lot of hats. The director of Natural Death, Gilbert Moses. The musical director, Harold Wheeler. No choreographer. We have a scenic designer, though, Kurt F. Lundell. Lighting design, Martin Ehrenstein. Sound design, Jack Shearing. Costume design, Bernard Johnson. And the original Broadway cast. Okay, we're going to hear from everybody in this cast. We don't have a lot of material to pull from when it comes to Ain't Supposed to Die a Natural Death. So I thought it would be interesting to transcribe all of the actor bios from the show's original playbill, which is available online via Playbill.com. Let's start with Barbara Alston. Barbara Alston comes to this production directly from the Broadway hit Promises, Promises. Her first Broadway role was in Cabaret, and her first professional job was with the Alvin Ailey Dance Company. She has also performed with the Afro-American Total Theater as April in One Last Look. Tony Breland has appeared on Broadway in Hello, Dolly! and Dear World, as well as the touring companies of Hello, Dolly! and Hallelujah, Baby! His dance credits are extensive, including a traineeship with the Harkness Ballet Company. Marilyn B. Coleman, singer, writer, actress, has appeared in all forms of entertainment. She is most proud of her original one-hour TV special, Marilyn Coleman's North Philadelphia. She was featured on the award-winning documentary The Truth Shall Make You Free. Other credits include Musica, No Place to Be Somebody, and Tartuffe. 
Bill Duke makes his Broadway debut in this production. Mr. Duke was a member of the original cast of Slave Ship. In addition to acting, he is a poet. Gloria Edwards was a member of the late Frank Silvera's American Theater of Being for four and a half years, doing leads in the world premiere of The Amen Corner, Medea, and others. She played Clara in the touring company of The Great White Hope. Her latest off-Broadway productions include Liz in In New England Winter and Norma Fay in Black Girl. Joe Fields comes to this assignment from his portrayal of the tough sergeant in the basic training of Pablo Hummel at the New York Shakespeare Festival. Mr. Fields is an alumnus of the famous Caramu Theater in Cleveland. Off-Broadway, he appeared in ceremonies in Dark Old Men. Klebert Ford recently appeared in the title role of Othello at the Buffalo Arena Theater. He appeared on Broadway last season in Les Blancs and has been seen off-Broadway and Europe in The Blacks. Mr. Ford spent five years in Europe, where he appeared in over 17 productions in Italy, Sweden, and Finland. Arthur French joins the cast from the off-Broadway hit Black Girl. He was an original member of the Negro Ensemble Company, appearing in many productions, including ceremonies in Dark Old Men. He will soon be seen in a new TV series, Our Street, on NET. Minnie Gentry comes directly from a memorable run in Black Girl and a filming of Georgia to premiere here soon. Her theater credits cover this country and a substantial portion of Europe in dramatic performances and musicals. In 1970, she received the Audrey Hepburn Trophy Award from United Artists for her outstanding performances. Carl Gordon, Ain't Supposed, is Mr. Gordon's Broadway debut. Although he has appeared on Broadway in The Great White Hope, he did not create the role. He was seen off-Broadway in the Negro Ensemble Company's Congee's Harvest, Trials of Brother Jero, and Strong Breed. On television, Like It Is and One Last Look. Albert Hall just completed a run in the basic training of Pablo Hummel. He appeared in the films Cotton Comes to Harlem, The Shelter, and Reality Mr. Kaufman. Jimmy Hayeson is making his Broadway debut in Ain't Supposed, but theater audiences will have seen him in the off-Broadway hit Black Girl, Black Quartet, and many others. His face is familiar as the wino in the film Cotton Comes to Harlem. Satie Jamal is a Howard University graduate, presently at NYU. Directing is his main interest, but he also designs. Mr. Jamal worked at Arena Stages in Washington, D.C., is a member of Theater Black, and the artistic director of WASTA in Washington, where he directed and designed Clay Goss's Home Cookin'. He also designed the lighting for Richard Wesley's Black Terror. Lauren Jones last appeared on Broadway in Does a Tiger Wear a Necktie, for which she received a Theater World Award, a New York Drama Critics Award, and a Tony nomination. Her last film, Young, Gifted, and Black, can be seen on Channel 13. Garrett Morris studied acting with Lloyd Richard, Gilbert Moses, Michael Schultz, Dick Williams, Uta Hagen, and conducting with Hugh Ross at Tanglewood. He has appeared in Hallelujah Baby, Slave Ship, Transfers, In New England Winter, Adodo, Street Sounds, Pablo Hummel, and two movies, Where's Papa and The Anderson Tapes. Madge Wells makes her debut on Broadway in this production. Miss Wells, who comes from Los Angeles, received most of her training and experience there. She has appeared on Dragnet over on NBC and made commercials in Rome. Ralph Wilcox, making his Broadway debut, last appeared off-Broadway in The Dirtiest Show in Town. Prior to that, he was featured in several regional and repertory theaters across the country. He also toured in the National Company of Damn Yankees. Mr. Wilcox is a graduate of the University of Wisconsin. Dick Anthony Williams directed and played the title role in the original Big Time Buck White. 
Films include Anderson Tapes, Uptight, Lost Man, and Who Killed Mary What's-Her-Name. Mr. Williams is co-director of the New Federal Theater, where he directed One and Bullen's In New England Winter. He also directed Bullen's Pigpen at APT and is co-producer of Black Girl. Beatrice Wind has spent the last three seasons at the Seattle Repertory Theater. Prior to that, she played at Center Stage, Baltimore, Maryland, and Actors Theater, Louisville, Kentucky. In New York, she has appeared off-Broadway numerous times, including In White America, and as Queen Margaret in Richard, directed by Rip Torn at the Experimental Theater. Those are all of the bios. I know we never do that. I don't think we've ever transcribed the bios. I feel like I'm patting myself on the back for doing that work, but I thought this would be an excellent opportunity to do so. We are not going to make that a tradition because it is a lot of work, but I did have fun doing it this time around, and I hope you enjoyed listening to those bios. There are no official character designations, I should say. Instead, everyone in the cast is listed as a performer. We will circle back to that here in a moment. Melvin Van Peebles' Playbill bio is as follows for the record. Quote, Jesus, seems you always go out to coffee break when a black prayer is next in line. Quote, that's his bio in the Playbill. Tony nods. Let's talk about the Tony Awards that the production was nominated for. It did not win any of these awards, but it was nominated for Best Musical, of course, but also Best Book of a Musical, Melvin Van Peebles, Best Original Score, Melvin Van Peebles, Best Featured Actress in a Musical, Beatrice Wind, Best Scenic Design, Kurt F. Lundell, Best Lighting Design, Martin Ehrenstein, and Best Direction of a Musical, Gilbert Moses. So, seven nominations in total, but again, zero awards at the end of the day. Before we dive into the plot of this week's subject, I would like to make a point about my identity and how it relates to the material we cover here on the podcast. I have made variations on this point in the past, most recently I believe during our episode on the Rothschilds, but it's a vital point and must be made once more. Ain't Supposed to Die a Natural Death was written by a black artist. It concerns black joy, pain, perspectives, and experiences. As a white person, I do not know what it means to be black. I am gay which comes with an acute understanding of homophobia, but I will never know what it means to face racism head-on, as black people do every day. I encourage non-BIPOC listeners to seek out reactions from those who directly relate to the issues addressed by art. I can offer my reaction to natural death in the spirit of addressing the larger canon, but the value of that reaction is negligible compared to that of a black viewer. I don't mean to discount my voice completely, but there are limits to the insights I provide, and I should be willing to own up to those limitations, and I do. I'm afraid there isn't much to go on as far as the plot of this musical is concerned, though Wikipedia's abbreviated summary does make a few things clear. Natural death is set in a black urban neighborhood in the present day. Act 1 depicts a fairly normal day in the neighborhood, with residents stepping forward to address the audience and tell their stories. We hear from, among others, a lesbian, a drag queen, a pimp, a blind man, a convict on death row, sex workers, drug users, alcoholics, corrupt cops, sweatshop workers, and a devoted follower of Malcolm X. In Act 2, these characters are forced to reckon with riots, looting, and the deaths of their neighbors. The show ends with an elderly woman pointing a finger at the audience and, in her rage, putting a curse on them, so they may one day know her grief. 
Now, for the purposes of this week's episode, I wanted to listen to the 1971 original Broadway cast album. The vinyl edition of the album is long out of print, unfortunately, and has never been made available for purchase digitally or in the form of a CD. You can find two of the OBC tracks via YouTube, but no one has thought to upload the album in its entirety. We will, of course, showcase those two tracks, along with audio pulled from the Tony Awards performance. Add it all up and you have a decent chunk of the show, though it doesn't quite make up for the absence of a complete OBC recording. We need to reissue the album pronto, I say. And I watched the 1972 Tony Awards performance. This is a medley comprised of Just Don't Make No Sense, Lily Dunn the Zambuji Every Time I Pulled Her Coattail, Come On Feet, Do Your Thing, and Put a Curse on You. Again, we'll hear audio from this medley throughout our discussion of the score, so I'll save most of my thoughts for later. But broadly speaking, this is one of the most intense and moving performances I've ever come across. This makes hair look like mame. Nothing about the presentation is neat or tidy. The emotional honesty of the cast is startling, and it's clear most of the people in the audience have no idea how to handle that honesty. Keep in mind, the other shows up for Best Musical in 1972 were Two Gentlemen of Verona, Follies, and Grease. Grease! I realize the theater makes room for any and all types of stories, but holy cow, going from Grease to Natural Death? Talk about a 180. Hold on, I'm seeing Natural Death was the only Best Musical nominee to perform at the Tonys that year. Jesus Christ Superstar was represented on stage, which makes sense as it was up for Best Original Score, but we also got a performance from the cast of No No Nanette? Okay, sure. So we started the evening with Natural Death, followed that up with JCS, and closed out the night with No No Nanette. Wild, wild stuff. The theater is a wild place. Oh, before I forget, there is a giant rat who appears several times throughout the Natural Death performance. Just a performer in a big cartoon rat costume, like something out of the Nutcracker. Personally, I am a fan of the giant rat. I am in favor of more giant rats appearing on Broadway. As previously mentioned, most of the characters in Natural Death do not have proper names. The actors are simply cited as performers on IBDB and in the original program. Barbara Alston plays Lily for the sake of the Zambuji number, but I'm pretty sure this is a rare exception to the rule. I worried it would be difficult to confirm who is included as part of each number, but I'm happy to report Playbill's scan of the original program provided the info I needed. Thank you very much, Playbill. Let us now hear Arthur French and his rendition of Just Don't Make No Sense from the 1972 Tony Awards ceremony. Thank you. 
lyrics from Melvin Van Peebles struck me as being terribly relevant in 2021. Quote, when you're black, even waiting ain't easy. Standing here, I'm loitering. If I walk, I'm prowling. And if I run, I'm escaping. Quote, this is a performance from 1972, and I don't believe we are any closer to black people feeling truly and totally safe when attempting to lead their lives. People's sentiment reminded me of Mickey Grant's Don't Bother Me, I Can't Cope, specifically this passage from the number Questions. Quote, If I sit in, I get arrested. If I break in, I get arrested. If I shout, nobody answers. Quote, The lyrics from these two shows address a system designed to ensure black people lose fall behind, and perish time and time again. The system is, of course, white supremacy, and we need to be doing everything we can to dismantle it before more BIPOC lives are taken. And by we, I really mean white people. The difference between questions and just don't make no sense is a matter of pitch. Mickey Grant and the cast of Don't Bother Me are fueled by righteous anger in the face of injustice. The character played by Arthur French in Natural Death does not sound angry. He sounds worn out. This man is well aware of how racism has affected his life, but he simply doesn't have the energy to raise a fist in retaliation. The score reflects his weariness by pairing a single horn with a keyboard. Both sound as if they're running on fumes, doing just enough to get by and push through one more long, exhausting day. We are now going to skip over the following tracks from the original Broadway cast album because we do not have an audio reference for them. We are skipping over Coolest Place in Town, as performed by Gloria Edwards, You Can Get Up Before Noon Without Being a Square, as performed by Ralph Wilcox, Mirror Mirror on the Wall, that would be Joe Fields, and Come Raising Your Leg on Me, as performed by Marilyn B. Coleman. The clip you're about to hear is from You Gotta Be Holding Out Five Dollars on Me, one of two OBC album tracks I pulled from YouTube. Carl Gordon and Madge Wells are featured in the piece, which, fair warning, depicts abuse. Let's hear that now. See there? See? I knew you was holding out five dollars on me.
have no reference for how $5 was staged, but I imagine this confrontation occurring on the street and in full view of the public. A man pursuing, harassing, and attacking a woman for money while their neighbors watch and fail to intervene. There is no moralizing here. We are simply presented with a moment that comes, goes, and might very well be forgotten by those who witnessed it. Okay, now we're going to skip over Sarah Sarah Jim, as performed by Lauren Jones, Catch That on the Corner, as performed by Kalibert Ford, and The Dozens, as performed by Jimmy Hayeson. Next up, Funky Girl on Motherless Broadway, as performed by Tony Breland. This is the second OBC album track I found on YouTube, FYI. I'm thinking Funky Girl has to be about the drag queen mentioned on Wikipedia. Is the drag queen also a sex worker? It would seem so, considering they're told to keep moving by a cop. This track went by in a flash and it left no deep impression on me, so I think we're gonna move on. Let's move on. Let's skip over 10th and Greenwich, as performed by Beatrice Wind. Hehe, <laughs> chuckle. Good morning, sunshine, as performed by Arthur French. You ain't no astronaut, as performed by Jimmy Hayeson. And Three Boxes of Longs, Please, as performed by Albert Hall. Let's return to the 1972 Tony Awards and hear Garrett Morris perform Lily Dunn the Zambuji Every Time I Pulled Her Coattail, which also features Barbara Alston. What's the pretty sight to wear? Some say white on white or red on red machine. Some say the connection. Come around the corner. Some say I play the collars of mustard. The prettiest thing I ever seen was Lily. Lily doing the Zambuja. Zambuja. That's what I used to call that funny kind of dance she do. Lily do the Zambuja. Every time I pull her coattail, scream and scratch her, make your heart bust with pride. Lay there, catch your breath, getting herself back together. And then the greatest thing on earth, she jump up and do that damn poochie baby for all she was worth for me Lily danced the Sam poochie every time I pull her coattail I can see it not before me as plain as day do it Lily know it from listening to the audio, but Alston's dancing is a sight to behold. With one hand wrapped around a pole, she proceeds to bend and twist like a flag in a hurricane. It takes a lot of control to move as if you have lost control, and I would encourage any dancer to embrace that lesson by watching Alston's performance. Let us now skip over I Got the Blood, as performed by Bill Duke, Riot, which is presumably an instrumental piece, and Salamagi's Birthday, as performed 
by Dick Williams. Another warning before we move on to our next clip. Come on feet, do your thing depicts the death of a black teenager played by Satie Jamal at the hands of a cop. Considering how often we see incidents like this play out in real life, I wanted to make sure we provided this context in case anyone wanted to skip ahead. Do Your Thing is a distressing and disturbing piece. The death of Satie Jamal's character is staged as if it were an inevitability. Like Barbara Alston, Jamal is made to keep one hand on a pole while running for his life. He occasionally breaks free to perform a short dance, but he consistently returns to the pole, which makes putting distance between himself and the cop impossible. The cop is able to move about at will on stage, lurking in the darkness from a high ground position. When Jamal's character is shot, it becomes clear we have witnessed nothing more than a hunt. Hearing Jamal's character sob while encouraging himself to move faster, that's what got to me the most. This doesn't feel like a performance on the part of Jamal somehow. This does not read as theatrical. This fear and anguish reads as if it's coming from an all-too-real source within Jamal. I simply can't imagine what it must have been like to recreate this piece night after night on Broadway, and my hope is that audiences gave him nothing less than all of their attention. He's giving you everything he has on that stage, so do not check out or turn away. That is my recommendation. Finally, let's hear from Minnie Gentry as she performs Put a Curse on You from the 1972 Tony Awards. End up junkies too. Your mammy tricked by the pound by that ounce. Your young daughters give rich old dudes head in limousines too. Put a curse on you. Put a curse on you. Your young Ain't got nothing else to do Put a price on you Put a price on you May the block Gobble up your 
hard to believe Beatrice Wind was the only member of this cast to receive a Tony nomination for acting. Minnie Gentry has her audience by the collar in this moment, and she is reducing them to dust. I crumple in the face of her fury. When the character puts a curse on those who stand before her, I believe it. Quote, your young daughters give rich old dudes head in limousines too. Quote, that is a hell of a line, and I doubt we'll ever encounter a more effective or powerful fuck you throughout the run of this podcast. We are going to skip over Just Don't Make No Sense finale that is the final track on the OBC album, which closes us out in terms of a score deconstruction. We are now going to hear from our fine, fine sponsor, 5678 Coffee. I believe I... I believe I recently referred to them as simply 5678. In a previous episode, they are officially known as 5678 Coffee. I do apologize. Thank you for being our sponsor throughout this entire run. Let us now hear from you, 5678 Coffee. Take it away. Oh, I'm so full. I've had all the food at the fair, and yet I'm still hungry. Now what have I had today? I've had a hot dog, I've had a funnel cake, and a hot pretzel. Oh, I had a corn dog too. I had popcorn and candy, candy corn and licorice and little lollipops. That's it, baby. I need something else. I need something sweet. Templeton's still hungry. (laughs) That's right. Oh, what's that over there? That's a little baby. A little human baby. Perhaps if I nibbled on one of his little sweet fingers, it would help me to quash my appetite, my voracious hunger. I gotta have a little baby finger. Come here, baby. Templeton. Uh, Oh, what the hell was that? Who is that? Where are you? This is Zeus, Templeton. I want you, I command you, to resist temptation. Do not eat that baby's finger. Zeus commands you. Zeus. The great god Zeus, talking to me, Templeton the Rat. Who would have thought? Well, I'm sorry, Zeus, but I'm here to tell you that I gotta have that baby's finger. I don't care if you damn me to Hades. I need to have it. It's so sweet and plump and juicy. Templeton, if you resist temptation, I will offer you this mug of five, six, seven, eight coffee. It is delicious, and it will give you the pep that you so direly need. Look at you, your belly's all distended. You can barely drag yourself across the ground. Oh, you don't need to rub it in. <laughs> okay. All right, fine. Give me the five, six, seven, eight coffee. I'll take it. Give it to me. Oh, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you right now. Oh, it's right here. Okay. I'm drinking it. Oh. 
Oh, that's really giving me the pep. Oh, you really followed through, Farmer Zeus. But I'm here to tell you, now that I got my pep in my step, I'm gonna eat that baby. I'm gonna eat that whole baby. From stem to stern, top to tail. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm doing it, baby. Not on my watch. Oh. Oh. You ate me. You ate me whole and I'm in your tummy. That's right. I ate you. And I'm going to chase you with a cup of five, six, seven, eight coffee. Yum, yum, yum. Slurp. Ow. The coffee's falling onto my head. Oh, it's mixing with the bilious liquids inside your tummy. The acids. Oh, I'm burning alive. I'm a skeleton with eyeballs. Oh, there go my eyeballs. I'm just a skeleton. A chattering rat skeleton inside the stomach of a god. Oh. Yeah, it's weird. Five, six, seven, eight coffee. You can count on it to give you the vim and the verb and the pep and the pep that you deserve. <laughs> yes, I am Zeus. Oh, my bones are starting to dissolve. I don't regret it, though. I went for my dreams. I wanted that baby's finger. I'm still thinking about it, Zeus. This is one of your creations that you weren't able to control. <laughs> Final thoughts regarding Ain't Supposed to Die a Natural Death. My only wish is to see a digital or CD reissue of the original Broadway album. No musical or play deserves to fall through the cracks, especially if we already have a clear point of reference. We have the technology, we have the capability, let's do it. Now, in 1972, the winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical was Two Gentlemen of Verona, and the additional nominees that year were Follies and Grease. This is information we have already laid out, but I don't believe you knew, maybe you didn't know that Two Gentlemen was the one that won out over all of the nominees. Now, did it deserve to win that award? My instinct is that if I had access to the full OBC album of Natural Death, I believe that I would give it the edge over all of the other shows that were nominated that year, but I don't have that album as a reference point, and so for now, I'm just going to have to give Two Gentlemen the medal by default. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to say this out loud. I don't want to be too definitive when it comes comes to my statement, I am not the biggest fan of Follies. I will absolutely give it its due. I will listen to all 4,700 albums of Follies when we talk about that here on the show. Uh, but for now, I'm just going to back away from it a little bit. I want everyone to understand that I'm not the biggest fan of it in general, overall, but I am going to give it its due. Let us rank Ain't Supposed to Die a Natural Death against all of the other shows we have discussed here on The Musical Man. Now, of course, if you want to see the full ranking, all you have to do is go to our link tree, okay? I don't have a full, complicated explanation as to how you can find this ranking anymore. All you have to do is go to our Twitter, that's Musical Man Pod on Twitter, go to our link tree, okay? It's right there, the sheet, the Google sheet. Go to the Google sheet, the second tab, that's where the ranking is. I guess the explanation is still fairly complicated. <laughs> It takes a minute. It takes a moment. Now, I can't actually rank this show against all of the other musicals we've talked about because I don't have enough material to go off of. I don't have that full OBC album, damn it. And so, unfortunately, I am going to have to put Ain't Supposed to Die a Natural Death in the Phantom Zone. We have not done this in a while, but the Phantom Zone is a special area reserved for shows that have sort of fallen through the cracks, unfortunately. I don't have a lot of information to go on, and so I have 
have to put them there in case we can rank them later, you know? For, for now, they just have to sort of be in this limbo space. What are the other shows in the Phantom Zone? Well, as a reminder, those shows are Big Deal, James Joyce's The Dead, Quilters, Merlin, After Midnight, Moving Out, and now Ain't Supposed to Die a Natural Death. Now, of course, Moving Out does have a cast album. It is primarily known as a dance show, and because I have never seen it, I did not feel it was fair for me to judge it, rank it against all of the other shows, and so I had to put it in the Phantom Zone. I always mean to put in some audio from Superman 2 here, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. When it comes to show-related ephemera, I do have one piece, ah, uh, one piece of ephemera for you this week. It is three boxes of longs, please, from Melvin Van Peebles' 1970 studio album, Ain't Supposed to Die a Natural Death. Said album preceded and informed the stage musical. Let us hear the studio version of that piece right now. Take all the grunts in the hall. Take all the barks and the dog. Take all the crumbs of the piece of cornbread. And how come day breaking don't fall and night falling don't break? And blue eyes can't be satisfied unless this foots up me. Downtown on Sunday, you can see for miles and miles. You can hear a rat pissing or a roach running. If they had rats down there, roaches either for that matter. But then, who ever heard of a roach making over a pile of green? Three boxes of longs, please. A large portion of people's discography cannot be found online. Why is that? Why, why, why? Why are there so many blind spots when it comes to this man's prolific career? Let us fix that, okay? I will use the ephemera segment to say that on March 23rd of this year, Playbill reported a Broadway revival of Natural Death is currently in the works, which is amazing. It will feature Tony-winning director Kenny Leon at the helm of the production. Leon's Broadway credits include Radio Golf, Fences, Children of a Lesser God and two productions of A Raisin in the Sun. Melvin Van Peebles' son, Mario, will serve as the revival's creative producer. Mario has over 100 acting credits, including Young Sweetback in Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song and Badass, a pseudo-documentary dedicated to his father. There is no additional info regarding the revival at this time, though Leon did release this quote. Quote, Ever since I heard the name Melvin Van Peebles, I have equated it with excellence, beauty, and courage. I am grateful to have this opportunity, along with my creative team, to introduce to some and reintroduce to others the richness of this unique musical experience. Quote, Let's hope this production results in a new cast recording and a reissue of the original. If this were to happen, I believe we could easily move Natural Death out of the Phantom Zone and into the official ranking. I wish that for all the shows in the Phantom Zone. I want to get those shows out of there is what I want to do. To determine which show we discuss next, we'll need to take a ride on the musical carousel, otherwise known as the random number generator I named after that classic Rodgers and Hammerstein show, I Love You, Shemp! Everyone ready? Then away we go! (laughs) 
Oh, well, this is fantastic. Okay, so next week we are going to be celebrating a very important milestone here on The Musical Man. We will be talking about our 100th musical. That's true. We currently have 260 shows that we want to talk about. That does not include the shows that will be added in the future, but we have 260 shows that we want to talk about, and this will be show 100. It was a 1984 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical. It ran for 604 performances. I think you know what this is. Do you know what this is? It's Sunday in the Park with George. Oh, what a wonderful selection for show number 100. And if you think that these shows aren't actually randomly selected, you are absolutely wrong. That is actually how we pick these shows, and I am so happy that Sunday in the Park with George is show 100. Yes, I am so excited to be talking about that with you next week. Go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod to find out how you can support the show financially. As a reminder, 100% of every monthly payout, every red cent, is donated to the Black Lives Matter organization. You can donate $1, 3 5 or $10 a month. If you donate $1, $1 a month, you get Monday early access to these main feed episodes. You get a verbal shout-out each and every week, so thank you very much for donating at least $1 a month. Vitor, Sydney, Katie, Elena, Anton, Ross, HJG, Jared, Eli, David, Dave, Christopher, Neil, Brian, Robin, Liz, Carrie, Maddie, Jonathan, Marques, Rob, Shauna, Shianti, Roberto, Jordan, Ashley, Chris, JC, Jenna, Aaron, Lily, Haley, Brandon, Brad, Matt, Zach, and Marisol. You also get, as a $1 a month patron, you also get bonus episodes regarding the 73rd Annual Tony Awards, the trailer for the film Cats, ABC's The Little Mermaid Alive, a review of the film Cats, a review of the stage musical Emma, Take Me to the World, a Sondheim 90th birthday celebration, Hamilton via Disney+, Plus, Documentary Now, Original Cast Album, Co-op, John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch, Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey, Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. That's our most recent episode. I gotta figure something out for the new bonus episode. We haven't had one since Christmas. We had two around Christmas time. We need to come up with some new ideas, but you also get, we're not done, you also get as a $1 a month patron, season one, 12 episodes of Radio Boy, a special series for which I check in with myself, and the non-musical theater songs that make me feel more like myself. You also get access to all eight episodes of M3, the movie Musical Man. We just closed out our second round of M3 episodes, and we will return in July. Here is the complete list of films we have covered so far, okay? I should should say this is a special series for which we watch trilogies of movie musicals that are tied by a common theme. Here are the movies we've talked about. The Wizard of Oz, Singing in the Rain, The Umbrellas of Shabur, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, The Last Five Years, Stuck, The Pirate, The Pirate Movie, Muppet Treasure Island, Gay Paris, Anastasia, Ugly Dolls, Scrooge, Mrs. Santa Claus, Anna and the Apocalypse, Phantom of the Paradise, Voyage of the Rock Aliens, Camp Rock, Star, The Greatest Showman, Rocket Man, Mary Poppins, The Happiest Millionaire, and Charlotte's Web. When we return in July, the final Wednesday in July, I believe that's July 28th, we are going to be discussing the Ooh La La trilogy. What is the theme of that trilogy? Well, all of the movies are sexy. These are sexy movies. I'm talking about Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. I'm talking about Moulin Rouge. And I'm talking about Hello Again. Okay, so if you want to catch up and be ready for that episode in July, become a $1 a month patron. But what if you want to donate $3 a month? Well, you get everything I've already described. Plus, you also get a musical 
shout out in the style of a character, actor, or composer of your choosing. You reach out to me, you tell me who you want to hear from. Ah, yes, for your shout out, and I will arrange it so they do that for you. We will get them here. We will get them in front of a mic. You also get season one, ten episodes of Wildcats Everywhere, the high school musical podcast, and a special episode all about season one of Julie and the Phantoms. Five dollars a month will get you everything I've already described, plus you will get to stop the musical character and determine what show, what musical, I discuss on the podcast. If we haven't already discussed it and it was nominated for Best Musical, you get to tell me what show you want to hear about. You also get seasons one and two, that's 24 episodes of All I Ask of You, an advice show hosted by the Phantom of the Opera, our Broadway and Chicago review series, and Shout About It, volumes one and two, that is a collection of five, six, seven, eight coffee ads and musical shoutouts from the first 50 episodes of the show. Finally, if you donate $10 a month, you get everything I've already described, plus exclusive announcements regarding future subjects of the main feed, and season one, 12 episodes of The Snub Club, a special series for which we discuss Broadway musicals that were snubbed. They were not nominated for the Tony Award for Best Musical. Starting April 28th, we're going to begin our bi-weekly series, Turn It Off, which is dedicated to off-Broadway musicals. Again, that will start April 28th. We're going to produce six episodes released on a bi-weekly basis. The first episode is going to be all about Emoji Land. I'm not going to spoil what all of the other episodes are about from that first batch of six episodes, but we are starting with Emoji Land. If you're listening to the show via Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, please take a moment to write a five-star review on both platforms. We are looking to generate a total of 65-star reviews across those two platforms. We have a total of 41 right now, okay? We are slowly, slowly inching our way toward that 65-star star review goal, that finish line, okay? So if you've written one review on Apple Podcasts, take a moment to write another review on Podchaser. All the five-star reviews in the world. Ah, that's what I want. That's what I want. When we get to that goal, what do you get? What do you get when you get to that goal of 65-star reviews? Well, you get a special episode all about Disney's Zombies franchise. Zombies and Zombies 2, baby. If you're streaming the show via Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, or Podbean, musicalmanpod.podbean.com, thank you. Thank you for streaming the show. Follow us on Twitter at musicalmanpod. Email me at musicalmanpod at gmail.com. Thank you, as always, to Patty and Benny for your amazing support and hard work. Thank you to Alex Green for our beautiful logo, and thank you finally to Zach Little for our fabulous intro and outro music. Oh, you know what that sound means? Yes, just when the fun is starting comes the time for parting. Oh well, we'll catch up some other time, specifically on the next episode of The Musical Man. So long, farewell, off finishing, and good night. <laughs>